This is The Hindu on Books, a weekly podcast from India's national newspaper on the latest and the best from the world of literature. Hello and welcome to The Hindu on Books and our guest today is economist former editor and former e- media advisor to ex prime minister dr manmohan singh dr sanjay baru welcome dr baru thank you rishtila his new book dr baru's new book uh, india's power elite class caste and a cultural revolution has just been out has just hit the shelves and having read it i have a, a lot of questions on this uh, because it for me it is one of the first books that tries to look at an indian template to how elites as a category are constructed and uh, the role of prime minister modi and the ascension his ascension and of the bjp on how uh, elites are being reformulated uh, in india today so let but let me start with one of the first pedagogical questions you've looked at a lot of uh, literature already available uh, in the space and i must tell you that it does send me back to uh, my MA in uh, sociology from the Delhi School of Economics, you know, <laughs> and M.N. Srinivas and Andre Bethe and all, all our uh, professors and uh, the literature that we, we had to read in our coursework on the elites. And you have raised a very important issue of how the Indian template requires that caste also be looked at uh, in, in connection with the other uh, factors that that the elite possess you know as a category so how would you kind of uh, unpack all that in your book well first of all i think you're absolutely right that the, there has been no real study of this sort except one collection of essays that i referred to that has come out of jnu um what i've tried to do is to bring together two very important uh, streams of thought one inspired by the works of people like pareto and weber and the mm-hmm. other inspired by people like well essentially uh, gramsci the idea of hegemony mm-hmm. uh, and that's a very important idea in understanding the nature of the role of the elite that mm-hmm. it's not simply uh, economic power or uh, social status but cultural power hegemony which is a gramscian mm-hmm. idea and then i look at india and say you know who who exercises this kind of a power today what was the nature of of the ruling elite in the past what has changed um so uh, you know the theoretical discussion which as a sociologist you understandably like um is only to set the framework uh, i do, i'm not a sociologist i'm not trained in this but when i decided to write about the indian elite i said i must at least read some of the basics mn srinivas andre pete uh, they are some mm-hmm. basics uh, rajni kothari mm. uh, certainly rajni kothari really leaps up you know uh, yeah. the congress system and you know uh, all that entails his his right. thesis actually is quite useful now yeah. very very useful and also the writings of raman or lohia i mean lohia is mm-hmm. someone who is highly underestimated um as a scholar uh, people only think of him as a politician but mm-hmm. uh, scholarly work on the caste system in india i think is very very useful in understanding the nature of political uh, change mm. 
Well, uh, going on from there uh, and looking at the elite in India, uh, a lot of the, uh, uh, you know, opinion columns and other things that we read now kind of look at 2014 as this watershed year, you know, that suddenly the BJP or Mr. Modi arrived from somewhere and, uh, 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 you know, kind of try to refashion the elite uh, of this country. But uh, in your book, you have suggested that while there had been some continuum between immediate pre-independence and immediate post-independence structure of elite, it has been an ongoing uh, uh, sort of uh, uh, kind of a process. Could you kind of explain a little bit of that? Because it's fascinating that a newly independent country would would do would would, would continue to take on uh, the elites of the of the previous regime. Correct. I mean, I think the most significant thing about the Indian Revolution, if you like, uh, India's independence movement, uh, was the element of continuity. Unlike in the case of Russia, the Russian Revolution of 1917 or the Chinese Revolution of 1949 or many of the other revolutions or coups and, you know, colonial um, uh, overthrow of colonial regimes in in Africa, Latin America. Uh, India represents a very interesting case of a country in which there is more continuity than change or rather there was continuity with change and elite uh, se- segments of Indian society uh, before independence uh, continue to play a role after independence. Certainly the big business, certainly the intellectual mm-hmm. class, certainly the landlord class. So a lo- many of the uh, elements of that constituted the elite in British India uh, retained power right after independence and it took a long period of time for some of them uh, to kind of become less and less uh, important uh, and then suddenly a revival. I mean, you take the classic example of the feudal uh, you know, um, r- ruling class, the, the Rajas, Maharajas, many of whom lost their privy purse in 1969. And, and then you find many of them coming back in different forms uh, politically. I mean, Vijayaraja Sindhya was chief minister of Rajasthan. Uh, mm-hmm. In Telangana, you have Vishweshwar Reddy, a feudal lord, uh, as a major political figure. So across the country, um, you know, so the continuity in the nature of the elite, I think, is a significant aspect of the Indian Revolution as opposed to some of the other post-colonial societies. And the rupture, so to speak, uh, from what I could gather from your book, uh, it begins with this, you know, Delhi versus the cosmopolitan versus the provincial elite, because all the the, the rewards on the patronage network uh, kind of seem to converge in Delhi. And there was a pushback uh, uh, from the provincial elite who found themselves uh, out of, uh, you know, out of the pale. Uh, I mean, you know, beyond the pale in this kind of a setup. Absolutely. I mean, I think you, you captured the essence of my argument. I wrote an essay, you know, in 1985 on regional politics and regional elites, inspired by what I saw around me in Andhra Pradesh. I used to be at the University of Hyderabad in those days. And we had the anti Ramarao and the Telugu Desam phenomenon. So I could see around me the rise of a new regional elite, a regional business class, a regional political class. And then I began looking at other states and found parallels in Gujarat, in Tamil Nadu, in Punjab, across the country, that Congress dominance, as Rajni Kothari called it, that Congress dominance was being challenged by the emergence of regional elites. They were certainly 
they were very powerful economically financially well off uh, politically powerful uh, and upper caste uh, many of them like anti ramara in andhra pradesh for example or the ali leadership in punjab um, so they were politically uh, and the financially powerful classes but they were challenging the congress uh, charan singh jhat mm-hmm. in uttar pradesh challenging the congress mm-hmm. so the old congress system that kotari wrote about began to crumble as uh, regional elites began to challenge the national elite i in fact looked at the 1991 economic reforms also from this perspective that the license permit control raj that indira gandhi was running was a raj that benefited big business it benefited the birlas for example they were the biggest beneficiaries of the license permit control raj uh just as subsequently the ambanis and now the adanis are all beneficiaries of government patronage mm-hmm. uh, and that began to change when regional businesses came up and i gave some examples of that and, and the kind of transition between 1990 and 2000 was a significant transition well uh where would you place uh, prime minister modi and his you know uh, utterances and his categorization of lutians elite and the khan market gang would you place it uh, in the kind of a regional rupture of the provincial elite uh, or would you place it as a postmandir uh, postmandir kind of politics or would you place it as a kind of a challenge as congress shrunk uh, rss and the sang parivar and their ideological project of you know uh, uh, electoral victories and ideological hegemony you know uh, slowly started taking the place of this big other big national party the, the main national party which was the congress and bjp emerging as a national party how do you place uh, yeah i think the bjp sees itself uh, very much in in the mold of the old congress uh, so i say that just as you had a era of congress dominance as rajni kothari called it you now have a, a era of bjp dominance uh, mm. or at least we are at the beginning of the era of bjp dominance i think what happens in the elections in tamil nadu bengal etc will have some influence on the direction of national politics but even then i think bjp has acquired certain dominance um and and what i find most interesting about narendra modi's politics uh is that he has actually combined three very different platforms he has combined the platform of the left uh with an uh, anti elite i mean all is anti lutians mm-hmm. delhi and anti uh, you know upper upper class indians um you the can the can market more like the india international center gang huh? yeah i mean all of that <laughs> very much left uh, the old communist rhetoric don't forget the cpm was the first political party that removed english language teaching from high schools in bengal 30 40 years ago uh, so this whole language chauvinism began with the cpm so actually bjp has occupied the left platform and certainly in bengal that's what they tried to do bjp has also occupied the mandal platform i mean what bp singh you know pursued mandal politics in opposition to the bjp in the 80s it was mandal versus masjid and what uh, or mandal versus mandir what uh, modi has done is to actually bring mandal politics masjid or mandir politics and left politics all into one platform and occupy that which is exactly the kind of umbrella party uh that that the congress used to be and that the bjp wants to be i think the only difference the only fundamental difference between the politics of the bjp today and the old politics of the congress is in the attitude towards the minorities 
the Congress also was not particularly friendly to the minorities. It's wrong to think of Congress as being very friendly to the minorities. But certainly they, they tried to work with the minorities and the BJP has taken the view that they don't need to work with the minorities as long as they have the majority with them. Mm-hmm. So in, in all of this context, uh, you know, this gradual replacement of the Congress uh, with the BJP system, and of course, uh, even now we have several uh, very powerful regional outfits. How do you look at this, you know, 30-year uh, uh, free run of the coalition era of Mandal and the 1991 liberalization project, you know, within uh, what we find now uh, in the structure of the elite in India? You know, the, the thing How about, do you place these two events? Sure. I mean, the thing about my book is that the politics of all this is only one chapter. Uh, I tried to follow the structure that uh, C. Wright Mills adopted in looking at the American power elite. And therefore, I have a discussion of the role of the bureaucracy, the role of the business community, the role of uh, landed elements, the role of media and uh, of of the world of entertainment. That was a very interesting chapter. (laughs) All of them, all of them are part of the elite. Um, Mm -hmm. And the politics of the country is a manifestation of what is happening in each of these arenas, right? Uh, So what you see Mm -hmm. now, uh, the emergence of increasing uh, communal polarization is only one aspect of the change. I think there are other interesting aspects, for example, the rise of the middle castes, uh, not just in politics, but in in the media, in business, etc., uh, the rise of, of uh, uh, you know, vernacular uh, elites, that is, people who are not who do not function in English, uh, nor do they function only in Hindi. I mean, in Tamil Nadu, for example, uh, the Tamil elite function in uh, Tamil in Gujarat, and the only uh, state in which we had a publication in the local language of a financial newspaper was Gujarat. Because Gujarat was one state in which the wealthy functioned only in the local language. Uh, so they wanted stock market news, which is what financial papers give, uh, not in Hindi or English, but in Gujarati. So we had a Gujarati edition of the Financial Express. We had a Gujarati edition of the Business Standard, you know, uh, and more recently yeah, there's a Hindi edition uh, of the Business Standard. So what that tells you is that the social composition of the elite is changing. And middle caste uh, who operate not in English, not in Hindi also in, in many parts of the country are emerging as politically powerful and economically powerful. Well, uh, I, I just want to do a bit of forecasting here. And I, uh, you know, I've read your book. It is, a, it is a, a very, very brave attempt, I must say, at finding a template, you know, because I think after 2014, many Hori chestnuts uh, with regard to uh, Indian elections were busted. And uh, each election kind of brings something new uh, to the table to be unpacked by political scientists. And, uh, and there is a lot of casting about for some, you know, templates uh, to explain some meta-narratives, to explain what has happened, you know, uh, instead of just looking at the numbers and, you know, just saying data-wise that, you know, this group is going with the, that group or this group is, you know, this community is attaching itself to this particular formation, etc., etc. So I wanted you to uh, do a bit of forecasting and say, where is it that we are heading in terms of, uh, 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 you know, uh, the, the churn that is happening, uh, not just in society, but in, also in the realm of ideas 
and the hegemony that you're talking about uh, and uh, will this be a you know a, the kind of a kind of a, you know kind of coming to a full circle of the of the project of independence of independent india as a modern democratic state well first of all on the whole issue of independent india democracy etc i i am an optimist i think the people of india know how to protect their rights and i don't see them tr- getting trampled i mean the, you know even the emergency indira gandhi realized could not survive beyond a point uh, so i think there is a, the, you know we as indians uh, as, will assert our, our right to speak up uh, our right to express our personality but on the other question of where are we heading i think critical thing the critical thing in my judgment and in here i am trained as an economist i give primacy to economics i think a critical thing is how the economy performs uh, mm-hmm. if the economy be, you know you even look at the whole nehru gandhi era i mean nehru vi era if you like from 1947 till 1990s uh, you you see that the dwindling of the congress party begins in the period in which the economy is beginning to slow down the economic slowdown in the 60s 70s and then the crisis in the congress the emergency then and then finally the transition to a coalition era and then you had 30 years of stability uh, three prime ministers who represented consensual politics narsimha rao atal bihari vajpayee and manmohan singh from 1991 to 2014 i would say i say this is the golden era of india's independence uh, three sagacious wise prime ministers with very different ideological backgrounds and yet they maintained political stability and ensured economic development and the india went forward the entire rising india narrative the idea of india being a major power of india you know entering the 21st is built on this and some very significant foreign policy pivots as well all of that is a consequence yeah. of three gentlemen narsimha rao vajpayee and manmohan singh mm-hmm. now whether modi can build on this or destroy what he has inherited depends on two things one his ability to take everybody along his own slogan sabka saath sabka vikas sabka vishwas does he really mean it uh, can he take everybody along if he does then good for india second how does the economy perform can we return to the kind of economic development growth rates we saw during manmohan singh's period 7.5% 8% growth uh, or are we going to be stuck with you know current rates of growth of whatever 5 six percent or probably even less i think the performance of the economy and, and and the way in which the polity goes forward will determine whether modi will you know take india forward or uh, will in fact set india back okay so um dr baru i must tell you that i thoroughly enjoyed uh, not just this Thank conversation you. but also reading uh, your book um as as somebody who was born and brought up in delhi and i've been uh, you know for the last four decades or so i have had a ringside view of uh, uh, people who mattered uh, when i was a child not mattering so much right now and you know all of that how how people go up and down because i always maintain that delhi is a you know imperial darbar city it's the city of the court in court and uh, to read your book uh, uh, with that background in uh, uh, mind it was a, a sheer joy and i really really hope that it does very well and thank you so much for sparing the time 
and uh, speaking to us here on on books well thank you very much nistula and uh, thank you for uh, this time you've spent with me and i hope the readers of the hindu will find the book interesting thank you for listening to the hindu on books you can now find the hindu's podcast such as in focus and parley on spotify apple podcasts stitcher and other major platforms write to us with comments and feedback at socmed4 s o c m e d 4 at the rate thehindu.co.in 